0: Welcome to AML Conversations, the solution series. This podcast series focuses on practical information about solutions to challenges you face in your financial crime compliance program. These solutions include managed services, technology, advisory, and third-party risk management. You can access this series and other AML Conversations and This Week in AML Podcasts at our website, amlrightsource.com, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome back to the solution series. I'm joined again by Leandro Loss, Principal Data Scientist at ML Source. Hi, Leandro, it's great to have you back.
1: Hi, Rachel, thanks for having me back.
0: So as some of you might know, we have been exploring artificial intelligence as a topic. And in our previous two episodes, we discussed the different branches of artificial intelligence and if we can trust it. In this episode, we're going to be talking about large language models, such as chat GPT and their application in compliance. I think that leads me nicely to my first question. So Leandro, could you explain what a generative pre-trained transformer, or GPT as it's commonly referred to, is?
1: Right, so, well, let me start by saying that GPT is truly a game changer. It's a game changer for the public, I would say, because this race, the AI race, has started uh, many years ago, and in particular, the generative uh, models or neural networks have, you know, been developed for at least two years, including the current one is the fourth generation. The GPT four is the fourth uh, generation uh, by OpenAI. It's an organization that was backed by Microsoft, and in part is is the, their secret for the success. Why is that? Uh, because GPT was one of the first model, and let me uh, let me backtrack a little bit and explain what the GPT is. so it's just a big neural network bigger than anything we've had we we were able to work with, train, and deploy in the past so um, and going back to Microsoft, the secret here is that they got basically a chunk of money uh, in the order of a billion dollars. And we're able to basically use the hardware to, like, unlimited hardware that would cost a different company uh, several millions of dollars to do so. So very few companies would be able to do that. Um, GPT then uses this, um, a type of neural network called a transformer. It's also a revolutionary piece. So GPT is basically the um, a combination of very successful techniques in, in machine learning uh combined with access to unlimited resources computational resources and um and they're basically able to create a a a language model we can explore a little bit what the language model is but they're able basically to create a bot in layman's terms that is really able to to uh have a conversation a high level conversation with a human being and that's why the game changer comes from being able to engage the the general public in such a, a natural way and and raise so much attention right um from the technology perspective as i said it's a transformer uh network a transformer neural network so it has been there for at least 8 years now um it's generative in a sense that it, it produces results which is slightly different from what neural networks are traditionally used by um when they have to categorize something which means you know select from a few labels um as output as answer um so and the pre-trained part of the name comes from the fact that they train these things on trillions of examples on text uh producing this uh what it's called the foundation model um, and I can, again, explore a little bit about that if we decide to talk about language models. Um, they're able to pre-train this guy and create this um, huge neural network that is able to address complete like problems from different domains, which is also a, a new thing. Traditionally, machine learning would address a particular problem, very narrow uh, chunk of what we call intelligence. So the GPT, Going back, wrapping everything out. Uh, the generative part is it creates creates new information, it creates new text, pre-trained because they already trained and, and made the whole model available for, for the training, for fine- tuning for particular problems like chat, GPT. It's the GPT model, the GPT Foundation model, tweaked for chatting. And that's basically what caught you know people's attention. Uh, and the transformer is that type of neural network able to capture, um, certain things about the te- about, about, uh, text, uh, that about natural language that is, that, that is fundamental for how human beings communicate.
0: Leandro, you mentioned there a couple of times, large language models. What are large language models? Could we unpack that a little?
1: Sure. Let me go back to our first conversation. Uh, when we talked about AI, we started with data science, AI, and then inside AI, um, we we kind of had two branches there. We followed the machine learning branch. We followed then the natural language branch. So a large language model, the name says it all basically, but it's a technique, one technique in, in natural language processing. That, uh, as I said before, it caught everyone's attention by its the power of communicating, of engaging with human beings. Is it perfect? It's not perfect. It's still under development, but it's way better than what we're uh, um, using before for this general approach to talking to anyone. Right? I'm not saying about um, a particularly specific problems, so right? Narrow uh, slices of of intelligence. So. What makes large language models so powerful? Uh, First of all, they are large, but that's not really what makes them so powerful. Uh, The ability to be large is combined to the amount of data that you can train on. And that's the biggest to me. To me, they have transformers, they have all these abilities, all these intricacies, uh, intricacies of um, uh, the technology, the way they they create the network, the architecture. But the most important thing that I think it's a very clever trick is that, again, traditionally, you have to provide the network with an input and an output. And that, depending on what you're doing, costs a lot of money, a lot of time, because you have to basically have an expert there to say, Every time I see this input, and this is the output I want, and then you go to the next example. If I see this input, this is the output I want. Um, imagine how much time it would take to train a network that is that large on billions of examples. You'd probably have a team working for, you know, years and years, maybe decades, uh, on on creating that such a such training data. However. What's very clever about large language models is that they basically found a way of having training data for free because they can read. The idea is that you get all the text from the internet and you input a whole sentence, a whole paragraph into the network and you remove one word at a time, maybe more at a time, depending on the company, they they have different approaches. So the goal of the network is to learn the missing word but the the researchers know what the missing word is because it's available on the internet so that's how they are able to have so much training data uh, but what happens now with that so now they trained all this in trillions of data from the internet rachel you can already imagine what the issues could be right i could go right now open a website import a lot of like create a bunch of fake text and at some point, OpenAI or, or other organizations, Facebook, they would capture that text and input into their network. And basically you would learn how to predict the next word, but it is not necessarily connect to facts, to what's true, what's reality, right? So the foundation models then, they, they learn basically how to fill in the next word, okay? Now, what's successful about this is that you now fine-tune you provide much fewer like um, um, uh, fewer examples for a very particular problem that could be chatting it could be question and answering it could be some type of cat like uh topic categorization of news or anything so with with fewer examples you can say network I know you can do all these things I know you were trained on trillions of examples but I really want you to focus on this particular problem here and that's why ChatGPT is popular among the general public, because it's able to have a conversation. Yes, it, it does give like some bogus answers, but the English, the, the language is really well put together, right, That that nobody can deny.
0: I completely agree with you, nobody can deny it. And I think the possibilities just seem to be endless. Along that train of thought, do you think these models are going to impact the world of anti-money laundering and financial crime?
1: So the the, the answer is absolutely, yes. Uh, anyone should be able to use it in uh, anti-money laundering. Um, let me talk about two different things, two different aspects that have that, um, that are gonna change. Uh, search, the traditional search right now, you go on Google or Bing or, or a different uh, search engine, you type whatever you want, Um, and then you get 10 results per page. And then you go and investigate the first one. You open the second one, and maybe you like the third one. The third one had the answer, but you made that decision. Uh, Maybe you're doing some kind of survey, so you read three to five pages and you put the summary together. Maybe one of the pages is in Mandarin, and then um, you have to translate that, and you use a different tool. So uh, what large language models bring to the table is that you can ask a question and give, you know, uh, if you test a GPT, for example, you're going to see that you can enter um, examples, counter examples, um, instructions, details about how you want the output or or what type of uh, output you're looking for. And it goes, um, by the way, originally it goes to its training data, to what it's seen before which is truncated at some point in time, I believe in 2021. But now just very recently, they started adding this concept of agents where where the network can actually say, I don't know that because it's a recent answer. So I'm going to go on the internet and do that search. So things are evolving very fast. And the capabilities we're talking about today may, may be overshadowed by something even bigger in a few months or a few years. But that's one aspect that I... I believe it's going to change the paradigm of search itself where the network is doing that search for you, compiling the results, putting it in in whatever format you want, in whatever uh, language you want, and giving you the results. So you don't have to uh, go through several uh, URLs and stuff. That's one aspect. And why am I mentioning this? Because it's big in, in investigation, right? Uh, investigators they have to go either to Google or to their private sources data sources and they basically have to scrape through uh, tons of data tons of results and you can imagine that you know if you do a Google search you see that lots of results are not useful at all and sometimes they're uh, related to something else so that's one aspect the second aspect and I can mention several but I'm going to take, uh, mention the second one data analysis these large language models are able to um, answer questions related to insights, uh, highlights, anomalies, um, interesting facts, uh, calculate all sorts of of statistical metrics, plot charts. Um, So basically the data analysis itself, and by the way, you can do all this with human language with natural language not having a developer a data scientist typing uh programming language into it this is a big deal because anyone rachel can uh have their data in hands and do not depend on anyone to code a user interface with with you know a dashboard with a, a graph here or a table here they can ask they can probe the data in their own language, knowing the domain language, they can be much more uh, um, uh, deep on, on what they're asking, the nuances of the main knowledge that a data scientist or a, a software engineer may not know, and will do great statistics, but don't know what it actually means. So I mentioned this too briefly, to say that that's all AML, right? You're investigating transactions, you're looking at KYC files, You're making, you're matching things. You're going to the internet, finding articles, finding sanctions, finding uh, politically exposed uh, persons. Uh, You bring all this together to make a conclusion, to, to, you know, adjudicate if that's okay or if that's suspicious. By just those two things that I said, you can already see that things are going to change. If we adopt this technology, it will change, right? Um, positives and negatives, pros and cons. Um, I I believe it's, it's a pro because um, um, there's a lot of pros to it because it is uh, boosting the work by the investigator, right? A lot of the laborious, tedious work that the investigator has to go through, it's basically automated, but it doesn't remove the human being uh, from the picture, and just to mention a a con here is that it's a change. People are going to have to change. They will have to adopt a new technology. They would have to adopt a new tool, and for some people, it's stressful. For some people, there is insecurities around that. Uh, but remember, I think the most important thing here that may have been you know like uh, washed off a little bit is that. We're talking about communicating with such powerful technology using human language. So you don't have to learn a set of tools, a, a new set of tools. You just need to be able to explain what you want, explain how you want things. So, um, I, you know, it's going to be for, uh, from people to, uh, from person to person.
0: One of the most debated topics is if AI will replace humans. What are your thoughts, Leandro? Particularly with reference to large language models, will they replace human investigators?
1: That would be a great question for a panel. This is going to be the opinion, the very biased opinion, by a basically an engineer for life that you know uh, likes a lot of uh, likes technology a lot and is passionate and enthusiastic about technology. So that's my disclaimer there. Let me tell you then my perspective. This is no comparison, comparison to a human brain. It's, it's a mimic to a human brain, but it's not a human brain. So, um, I know we call it intelligence, but it is, it's, it's just mathematics. These are algorithms. They are not, they are not there to, they are not malleable. They are not creative uh they're not um they they don't bring in their cultural social experience uh, maybe traumas you know so there is all these aspects from the brain who who can um that can uh grow parts like develop new um uh paths new uh neural networks if if something happens to part of the brain that, uh, specialized parts of the brain to do different things that combines memory and, uh, rationality with emotions in one thing. Neural networks are not close to that. These are mathematical functions that put together and using clever tactics to, um, to, uh, learn the parameters. The, the 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 values right the 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 variables of those those equations you get to results uh that are similar to uh for particular tasks similar to the uh, uh what a human being can do for me that's not a replacement for intelligence why am I saying this going back to the question is it going to replace a human being I would say it depends if your job as an investigator is to uh, validate if this, this uh, ISO code matches that address, and that's all you do all day is to match, to find the, the ISO code for a particular address, I would say, well, that's, that's very, um, that can be replaced by artificial intelligence. If your job is just to find the line of business for particular companies, yeah, maybe it's not as direct as an address, but you go online, you find the web page. Well, that's also a set of steps, fixed steps that can be simulated really well by artificial intelligence. Now, if your job involves the human part of it, right? What what is the human part of It's this ability to work in the gray zone. Yes, it's very easy to to uh, catch when the criminality is obvious. The red flags are all over the place. uh, You have negative news about it and so on. And it's very obvious when there isn't much going on, right? There's like the obvious answers. Those can be simulated by artificial intelligence. But there is a whole gray zone that. I find hard to believe that a neural network today this is today. It's not five years from now. This is not 10 years from now. Don't use this out of context today. What we see now there does not work in this gray zone. It does work, but probabilistically, you will guess the answer. You will not use information that it doesn't have, like human beings can do. Human beings have the ability of combining information that sometimes we don't even know where, how we know that and use that from what they learned many years ago to say oh i've seen that before and uh i think that's what's going on here and that's how i'm going to take my next step in terms of investigation uh, so to conclude i do not see language models or gpt replacing human beings i actually see it human beings maximizing their their potential the investigative potential Uh, because they they are going to actually be able to focus on the good stuff or the bad stuff, depending on the perspective, on the actual criminality rather than on gathering data from the internet or, or matching things from different databases.
0: Leandro, I have one final question for you. Why are regulators so apprehensive towards AI applications like large language models and their inclusion within compliance programs?
1: I think the regulator's job is to be concerned, right? They, they have to be up to date. They have to be uh, in close touch with the industry. Um, unfortunately, that's not really uh, what happens most of the time. And I can tell you from experience that being in this business for eight years now, uh, coming from a small company that started with four people and grew to, you know, 14 and then 2000 with AML Right Source. I was there visiting with the founders, I was visiting uh, bankers, uh, compliance teams, sitting next to investigators, hearing from their experience with regulators. And if I go back to 2016 to 18, nobody wanted AI. They, they, They were like, regulators will never accept a black box here, making decisions. That's not how you work. You need to sign off, you know, what you did, that kind of stuff. 2018, uh, things changed a little bit. People started getting curious about it. So from disregarding it completely, uh, the feeling went into curiosity because the results were there. They could see how much gain the human investigator uh, uh, could have both in quality of their work, but also the speed in which uh, they could um, uh, educate cases. From curiosity, we stepped into proof of concept Let's say, hey, you know what, I can't use it right now in production, but let me use you in in this, you know, this data set that I separated for you and let us know. And we're going to compare what we did. And from there, by showing what it could do, uh, all of a sudden, maybe in 2020, 19, we see regulators incentivizing that saying, hey, industry, you should look into AI solutions. So I can't even say it was a symbiotic, you know, uh, a relationship between industry and regulators. I think with language models right now, there is no educated opinion uh, from the part of the regulators right now. I think everyone is waiting and waiting for some spark of, 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 of a solution. That, that makes the news and then, okay, now we have to do something. Because nobody's doing uh, language models or GPT in, in AML right now in production. Nobody's advertising it. Um, I could kind of crack a little bit uh, the surface of what we're doing internally, so we are going to apply and very soon we're going to have uh, language model-based solutions answers to not to everything, it's not, you're not gonna pump transaction and say, find me the bad guys. But there are lots of of, uh, solutions, red flags, that already use machine learning. They already use AI. They already have the blessing uh, from regulators. So LLMs are artificial intelligence. They are machine learning. So I told you a long story of how regulators felt and acted on, on AI. I think it's going to be much easier now there is already a learning curve in process in in progress and language models are just a new technique the new kid in the block on the block and uh uh, hopefully the the um that learning curve is going to be much faster but i wouldn't expect them to take the initiative i think one of us are going to have to go out there and say hey we're using it and then say wait 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 you know so that interaction is going to happen by someone taking the first step and waiting for the the feedback.
0: Thank you so much for answering all my questions, Leandro. This has been really insightful.
1: Thank you, Rachel. I'm looking forward to the next conversation.
0: And thank you as always to our listeners. Join us next time for our final episode on AI, where we will be discussing how it can be leveraged in compliance. Thanks for listening to this episode of AML Conversations, The Solution Series. More episodes will be posted in the coming months. If you find this installment interesting, there is more great content at amlrightsource.com. If we can help you with your financial crime compliance needs, schedule a meeting on our website. Together, we can reimagine compliance.